0: Welcome to TANI Talks 2, Ohio State Representative Juanita O. Brent. She serves the people of House District 12. A graduate of Cleveland Heights Beaumont School, Juanita Brent always knew she wanted to serve the community she calls home. As a member of the Cuyahoga County Democratic Women's Caucus, and a former member of the Board of Trustees for the Healthcare Service Corporation, the largest customer owned health insurer in the country, Brent knows how important it is to provide and families with access to affordable quality health care.
1: Prior to holding
0: elected office, Brent also worked as a field director for the Ohio Democratic Party and founded Social Society Cleveland a nonprofit professional networking organization. She currently sits on the board of the Harvard Community Services Center, Lee Harvard Community Development Center, and is eager to bring her experience building and organizing strong communities to Columbus. Welcome Ohio State Representative Juanita O. Brent.
1: Thank you so much, Tammy Kennedy, for having me on your show.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I heard that you were on Voice It Radio yesterday.
1: Yes, I was. I, I really enjoyed myself.
0: Fantastic. And I'm, we we enjoyed having you there. Um, you know, we got big news yesterday. So we want to talk about Juneteenth and what you are proposing with the state of Ohio. But I guess the question now I have is can
1: we have a state
0: holiday and a federal holiday? Yes. You- oh, okay, tell us
1: about it. So I'm so grateful that the U.S. Senate actually passed unanimously to pass Juneteenth to make it a federal holiday. But also here within the state of Ohio, we are we just had a bill that passed out of the state Senate to make Juneteenth also a state holiday. And so that would, that would actually be applied to our state, local, and county government.
0: Oh, my God. So so how would that work? So on June 19th, if it's on like a Monday through Friday.
1: Yes. So it's no different than how we celebrate Christmas or any other major fellow. If it lands Monday through Friday, then people will see that as a paid holiday.
0: Okay. Because, <laughs> so, you know, I was wondering, because when I heard the news last night that the Senate, the federal uh, government Senate, had approved unanimously... A Juneteenth, I just wondered how would that affect what you were doing because I know that you had proposed uh, a state holiday.
1: Yeah, so my resolution, I introduced it last um, General Assembly to make it a state holiday and then I just recently introduced a resolution to urge Congress to to actually pass it, for uh, to, do, to do that. Because we know anything about government, you have to pass it in the Senate and then you also have to pass it in the House. And so just because we pass it in the Senate, the US Senate, we still have to fight hard to pass it also in the US Congress. So that's what my resolution does is to urge Congress to actually pass it too.
0: Oh, excellent. So now in Ohio, because you have to educate me, so the process in Ohio, you have a resolution. It has it passed in Ohio or is it still
1: it still hasn't passed in Ohio yet, no.
0: Okay. So then once it passed in the Ohio, uh, what is that, the Ohio House, then does it have to go to the Ohio Senate?
1: Yes. Oh,
0: okay, okay. Oh, okay. So thank you for educating me on that. Well, so let, let, let me ask you, why is it important for you, Representative Brent, that Juneteenth become a state holiday
1: or federal? Well, the biggest thing about Juneteenth is that it's American history. It's not just African-American history. So if we really want to, federal holidays are ways for us to celebrate milestones of our history. And one of the biggest milestones is ending slavery within our country. So it's a celebrating American history and also just dealing with the institutional racism that still exists within our system. And the only way to deal with institutional racism is to celebrate holidays where we are chipping away at that. And one of those things that chipped away at that is Juneteenth. And if people do not know the history, they're bound to repeat it. So Juneteenth is a wonderful opportunity to celebrate this wonderful milestone within our country and all the work that we still need to do to chip away at institutional racism. I
0: agree 100%. As a matter of fact, it seems like in 2021, Juneteenth has just really Uh, I know the South has always celebrated and actually we did some Council of Elders did a Juneteenth flag raising and several events in 2019 but of course 2020 we were locked down so we couldn't do anything so now here we are in 2021 and it seems like everybody is doing a Juneteenth even Cleveland downtown we have a Juneteenth happening Caramoo I believe Downtown Cleveland Partnership, Ingenuity Cleveland, and others are partnering to do a whole day Juneteenth at Mall C. So we have a lot going on here in Cleveland this year. I'm very excited. Are you doing anything in particular, Representative?
1: Well t- today, I actually organized a Juneteenth, um, a press conference today for the Ohio legislative black caucus to celebrate Juneteenth. So we just had that this morning at 10 o'clock. And we also took pictures with our Kente cloths here on the steps with all the black legislators from the Senate, as well as from the House today. So we literally just got done with that before this podcast.
0: Excellent, excellent. So I guess we could look forward to that, perhaps on the news somewhere today or in the paper. Fantastic. So are you doing anything on June 19th? I know there's many, many, many events. As a matter of fact, I just heard that person that used to be the president is going to be in Cleveland on June 26th, so that's very interesting. And I have some events happening within your district, I believe. I believe your part, part of your district is Maple Heights?
1: Yes, so part of my district is Maple Heights. On Juneteenth, I actually plan on being down at Mall C myself and celebrating, at least using part of my day to do that. And then the other part of my day is doing some other constituent outreach within my district.
0: Okay. Well, hopefully I will see you and I will actually introduce myself to you. I have seen you at a couple of events, but we didn't know each other. So if I see you uh, on Juneteenth at Mall C Downtown Cleveland, I'll make sure that I introduce myself to you so that you know who I am who you're talking to.
1: I appreciate that.
0: I appreciate your time. So tell me, could you give us a little bit about what's happening in the state of Ohio? Not necessarily with just Juneteenth, but I know there was also a push uh, from Representative Stephanie House for Ohio, is it a, as a public health? Uh, could you explain something about that, the this, this situation with Ohio, of uh, the public health emergency or some kind of uh, issue around uh,
1: I guess racism in the so, public system? It's so important that we address racism as a public health crisis. Like I, I mentioned before, this is all part of institutional racism. And so when we talk about the system was not built for black and brown people. So there's racism when it comes to our education system about it being based off of property tax and not being particularly made sure that it's equitable, that all children are re- able to receive uh, equitable funding for schools. There's institutional racism when it comes to our criminal justice system. African-Americans make up 11% of our population, but 70% of those who are incarcerated are African-Americans. Is institutional racism when it comes to our healthcare system. And you look at the maternal, maternal mortality rate, rates where African-Americans are three to four times more likely to die in birth or to experience infant mortality where the child, the baby dies before it turns one years old. There are so many different aspects, even when it comes to people selling their home and how their home is being appraised. So we really have to address that racism is a public health crisis that affects all different aspects of the quality of life. So this is not just something that we, you know, you just put out in words, the resolution actually has some teeth in it on how we need to address and look at our, our laws that we have and that are they really working on behalf of all people.
0: Okay. so. So Representative Brent, let me ask you this. How, what is your next step? What What do we need to do next as a, as a constituent here in Ohio? What can we, the people do to help you or Representative Stephanie House, or is there we can
1: do? I think the biggest thing that people can do is show up. I know for a lot of people, that is a barrier to come all the way down to the state house and participate and to testify. But I tell you, it's so worth it because the biggest thing that we will hear from my colleagues here is that, oh, no one showed up, so people do not care. There is an attack on your election rights. Well, that's House Bill 294, which is the election integrity bill. that's taking away people's voting rights. There is an attack on how we educate our children, which is too... Um, to 84, which is the critical race theory bill. There is attack on you know the, the the autonomy of women. There are so many different attacks on your life that we need you to show up in all different ways. Right now here at the state house, there are policies that are being made in the middle of the night that are being put into our state budget when it comes to our step up to quality program, which is being removed that a lot of our babies go to those preschools they go to those daycares and now that program is being eliminated completely so we have to have people who are going to show up and say something we cannot just depend upon elected officials to do it all by themselves we all have to work hand in hand to get this done absolutely now you just said something to
0: step up to quality
1: what what is that you said it's trying to eliminate it what is so step up to quality is basically a standard of how early childhood education occurs within our daycares and preschools. And so it's basically the standard saying um, you might have okay. gone past a daycare and it might have had different stars in front of it. Uh-huh. So it's kind of, if you have five stars, that means you have the highest quality rating. Also means that all of your teachers have at least a early childhood um, education associates. Okay. Um, but if you have a one star, that means your teachers probably do not have the standard of education. That mean they have not been properly trained and that facility is not up to the best standard, and that also helps people to determine what type of place they should be sending their child to.
0: True. Wow. Oh. True. When
1: we take away those standards and we take away the take away the necessity for people in early childhood to be trained, we're basically not allowing our children to be on the best track when it comes to um, later on edu- educating them.
0: Oh my God, that's terrible. Okay, now you mentioned House Bill 284. Well, that's a big topic, this critical race theory. Yes. Oh, oh my, oh, was doing it. could you please expound on
1: that a little bit? So everyone learns about the history of racism, slavery, different things of that nature. Basically, the bill would basically kind of want to put soft gloves on history saying, we don't want to talk about anything that makes another race look bad. Um, that would be no different than how in right now, if you go over to Germany, everyone has to learn about the Holocaust. There are museums that are over there, um, but you could never tell somebody who is Jewish that they could not talk about the Holocaust and how that, ex- um, that experience affected their family. Exactly. And so getting rid of critical race theory, we basically saying that talking about racism, talking about slavery, talking about the civil rights movement, I'm talking about things that will put white people in a bad light would not be acceptable within our school districts. And that's very problematic because talking about history does not mean that we are trying to make someone else look bad, but just saying like, we have to learn our history as United States citizens. Yes, we do.
0: I'm actually, historian. I'm, I'm still learning, but I have studied a lot of African, African-American history. And this critical theory, I just see it as the truth. The people don't want to tell the truth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: About our our story—it's all about story. So we—we've lived through it for 400 years, and we just want the truth to be told. So I, I had to hear that there is a House Bill 284. Now, when is legislation, or what what can we do to support that
1: process? So what I, I would need people to do when it comes to that bill is actually contact our state and and local government committee. So that bill just received its first hearing in that committee. Okay. And so what you would need to do is actually get in contact with the chairman. I can look that up real quick. So one of the people who's the ranking member on the state and local government committee is Representative Bridget Kelly, who's out of the Cincinnati area. Okay. So you get in contact with her. She is house district, it would be her email address would be rep31. Okay. At OhioHouse.gov. All right. But then also too, you wanna make sure you get in contact with the chairman, who is Chairman Wiggins. And so his email address is rep01 Mm -hmm. at OhioHouse.gov. And people need to contact him and say, hey, we are against this bill of removing critical race theory, I think sometimes the wording of the bill throws people off because you go and it makes you think like, well, that's not good if something's critical. But it just is saying that we do have to address these these issues. Right, and we
0: should. Oh, thank you for uh, educating us on that. Now, the House Bill Two Ninety
1: Four. Well, oh, that bill now, is super problematic. Um, And for those who are at home, it's called the Election Integrity Bill. It's a really, it's a a long bill, but the, the basic schemes of it, it would limit ballot drop boxes. So right now here within Caga County, you can use the ballot box that sits outside the Board of Elections anytime you want, particularly within those 30 days before the election to drop off your absentee application or to actually drop off your physical ballot. So it would limit it from having it from any day to only the last 10 days before the election. It also will cut the number of early voting days. You would not be able to early vote that Monday before the election. We know when it comes to people who work in the retail or um, hair or barber industry, they tend to vote on that Monday because that is when they are, are closed. And it also cuts off the vote by mail requests a week earlier. So it will cut off it 10 days earlier than it already is when it comes to people being able to request a vote by mail and it also forces all, um, all Ohioans who choose to vote early or vote by mail like myself to show two forms of ID and also have these new um, ID rules to vote early or by mail which has become very problematic. Um, it's hard enough to have people who have one form of ID and now you're gonna have to have two forms of ID. That becomes a huge barrier for people who want to access the ballot.
0: Okay, so Representative Grant, so do we need to contact uh, Bridget Kelly and and Rep Wiggins about the Bill 294, or what do we need to do?
1: So that bill is actually in the state, excuse me, the, um, the oversight committee, I'm about to pull up the government oversight committee. Okay. And so if you want to, the best thing to do when it comes to that particular committee is contact Chairman Shane Wilkin, his email address, is rep91 Mm -hmm. at OhioHouse.gov. All right. And then you also wanna make sure you contact the ranking member on that committee, which is Bri Rose Sweeney. Okay. And her email address is rep14 Mm -hmm. at OhioHouse.gov.
0: Okay. Oh, wow, you're giving us some great information. So we're gonna have some, some activism, hopefully. Yes. I'm definitely going to reach out to uh, Bridget Kelly and Rep Wiggins uh, for the uh, House Bill 284, but I'm going to also reach out to Rep 91 and Rep 14 at yes. ohio.gov to let them know how we feel about House Bill 294. Yeah, What's a lot on, on the on? Tell us. Give us a little bit of your background. I believe, was it your mother or someone in your family that was also a state representative?
1: Yeah, so long story short, my, um, I was four years old. My my mother gave me up when I was about four, my aunt star became my guardian. And interesting enough, when she was running for office was when my aunt became my guardian. And so she was my guardian ever for that point so she became a state rep at the same time that she took me in. And so I'm actually serving in the same seat that she held herself when she was a state representative. Oh, well,
0: what is her name?
1: Vermell Wayland.
0: Vermell Wayland?
1: Wayland, Wayland.
0: Wayland, oh my God. So so you're continuing the legacy, that's fantastic.
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, it's, it definitely was not something that was planned or even talked about. Um, my aunt never got to see me fulfill and be in this seat so she passed away almost seven years ago oh so this God. is never even a conversation that we ever had and I, I didn't have the desire when she was living I'm wow. um, one of those things where i I was actually looking to go to a candidate's forum and I actually went to a candidate's forum for this seat mm-hmm. and I heard two of the candidates say that they wanted to get rid of the capital funding for a particular community center. And I sat there in a the room like, this sounds crazy. Okay. And at that moment, I was like, no, I need to get in a race because I said, we cannot have people who intentionally want to get rid of capital dollars for a community center that benefits all of us. And That's so nice. that became, you know, my, my first why my why has expanded, but um, it definitely was not a plan. It was definitely not a family conversation initially of fulfilling a, uh, uh, her legacy, but just more or less where I wanted to serve the community. Okay,
0: wow, that is really something. So, so politics. So, are you telling me that you have were not a political person?
1: I was a community activist okay. more or less. I went to a lot of rallies. I was definitely the agitator in the community when I would see something going on. Um, I sat on the board for the Harvard Community Service Center, also our local CDC. So I was I was that person who was very much involved in a community, but everyone has to you have to love the people in your community to be able to serve them. So That's I true. think being an activist helped segue me into being a, a state representative.
0: You know, I see a lot of younger people out here that are very involved now with activism. So perhaps there'll be a whole new breed mm-hmm. coming up. Yes, did come. How, how do you? Or is there anything in Ohio that prepares people who may want to, you know, go into politics? Is there any way or any type of organization that prepares people or kind of, uh, you know, kind of mentors people? for upcoming maybe offices and that kind of thing? Is there
1: anything like that in Ohio? There are, and I'll say for myself, I went to a lot of training. So I, I never think that people should feel like they're the smartest person in the room or you're in the wrong room. So Collective Pack, uh-huh. which is founded by two people who actually live in the um, Cleveland area, they had multiple trainings before the pandemic for candidates that I know, Steve, I mean, um, Stephanie and Quincy Brown, are going to be back up doing trainings now that the pandemic has um, leveled up a little a lot. So I know they do training Emily's list, which gears towards women, higher heights, which gears towards black women. They do trainings. Um, so there's a lot of different um, organizations that do trainings. And so uh, the biggest thing that people want to be mentored, go just talk to an elected official and ask a person to to mentor them. I've even had people come shadow me here at the statehouse. which is always a good time and then people get to see what it's like to be a state rep for the day
0: you know i have been down there to the state house i was i think the last time i was down there it was an issue pertaining to i want to say abortion right Mm -hmm. and actually I, i got up and left i mean and i really applaud you and all of us in the Ohio uh, government because uh, Stephanie House, Representative Stephanie House got up and spoke and she did a brilliant job. And but the, but the tension in the room, and then it got a little, you know, as like I said, I got up and left. Because <laughs> um, it, it got a little shaky in there for me. And I wasn't gonna go to jail. <laughs> I mean, that's how it seemed to me. I was up there with uh, a reproductive uh, organization here from Cleveland. Mm -hmm. You know, we had kind of talked about it, uh, you know, but I, I, me myself, no, I wasn't trying to go to jail. So how do you guys deal with that? You know, that tension, that pressure. I mean, it's obvious that there's a lot of, uh, I'm gonna say racism uh, on the table. So how do you deal with that on a daily basis when you're trying to do the right thing?
1: How I deal with that is I always remember my why, uh, my why of why I'm here. And when I always told myself, when my why is not big enough for me, then I know it's time for me to leave. So I know my why of uh, walking through my community and talking to the people I serve. And so that is what motivates me, even when I'm feeling really almost like beat down within my own community. I always have to remember my why and that's the people of House District 12 and that they are the ones who encourage me. So if, if you ever get a chance to come to Columbus, All the pictures in my office are not pictures of myself, they're pictures of the people I serve in my community. And so that reminds me every time I come in this office that they are my why. And that's what keeps me going when things do not, sometimes look bleak.
0: Okay. I guess one other question I would know. It sounds like you, I don't know if you're a resident from Ward 1 or that Harvard area, and that used to be an area that I've always admired. There was a lot of black entrepreneurship. Uh, community, uh, community. But now I'm hearing there's a lot of problems, a, a lot of um, crime, uh just things that I really don't equate with ward one because I know ward one either was or still is the the ward that votes most in the city of Cleveland. So so that's a war that's really uh, up on top of politics. So, what I want there in in the Lee Harvard area.
1: So I am a resident of Ward 1. I've been a resident my entire life. And what's happened is um, Ward 1 of Cleveland is very much a viewpoint of what's happening within America. The average income in Cleveland is $23,000. But then the average income in Cleveland Ward 1 is $28,000. So we are a little bit above the average income in the city. But even when you talk about that being the average, that's still very low when it comes to people being able to afford a quality of life. So we just have to go back to what is happening within our system. Our system is not working effectively for the people that it's supposed to be serving. So when you talk about basic things of people not having access to health care or people not having access to quality public transit, um, we talk about food deserts, it's so many different issues that come up within our community. So it shows up within what happens within Cleveland World war one. So we have to also look at the investments that have not been made into our public schools. And I'm not just talking about building a new building, like having a new building is good, but we're talking about the quality of our education, the funding of our schools, and it all becomes a trickle down thing of multiple systems that have not been working for the residents of Cleveland War One or just even for the residents that are in Cleveland. So it's not just Cleveland War One, it's a lot of different areas. And so we just need more investment that are just intentional about keeping people in their homes. And now we're dealing with second and third generations of people who've been living in the same house and trying to figure out to help people, how can we keep people in their homes? Also with the renovation of our local businesses, Mm because we have a lot of businesses that are locally owned of people who live in the community. How can we keep businesses within the community? How do we bring restaurants where people can take their families in the community? So it's a a series of, of issues that just have to be addressed and it can't just be on the elected officials, it has to be a community effort mm-hmm. where everyone has to feel like they have some skin in the game because we do, we live there. That's right.
0: Now, one of my cousins, uh, Janet Carroll, I believe you know Janet. Yes. very active over there. And so I talked to her, we're involved with the project now. Um, and I know she, she was telling me some things about the community and how things have, I'm gonna say gone down and I was just shocked. So well, that's why I wanted to ask you about what's happening with war. So we need that community investment. We need black folks owning businesses. Is there, how, how can we do that? You know, I had a conversation and it seems like there are other races and nationalities owning all our stores and the businesses in our community. How, how can we do that?
1: I think the, the biggest thing when you talk about a community, if you want to own your community, you have to own a housing stock, you have to own a bank, you have to own the school, and you have to own a grocery store. Those are the main building blocks of any community. But when you don't own those things, you're, you're gonna feel like a renter in your own community. That's right. So I, I've definitely seen other communities, and I'm not gonna shout any community out because I'm not out here trying to make anybody feel special. But we've seen communities where they do own the bank they do own the school they do own the homes they they do own the grocery store and so we go to those communities you'll say like oh that's that community where they own all of those different things and so african-american communities have to intentionally do the same thing too and we we are more than capable of doing that definitely
0: definitely more than capable but we just have to get it done now i know it's not all, all on you you're a state representative yes Things have to be done locally with our city officials, but I, that was just a question that came to mind. I had a conversation with someone, and that's they were basically saying what you're saying. You know, we don't own anything in our communities, and you know, we're 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 in those communities, but what we're not owning the community. That's that, I don't know. That's something that I think needs to be really, really addressed on all levels. How we can. Build back our communities or buy back our
1: communities, I'm gonna say. I, I agree. So the theme of the the high legislative black caucus is, is building up the black family. And so we highlighted it particularly within our press conference today about legislation that we are doing to build up the black family. So talking about housing discrimination when it comes to payment. Um, also talking about the increasing the the minimum wage, also Talking about making Juneteenth a federal holiday. So I mean, it's so many different things that needs to happen to build up the Black family and also address institutional racism.
0: Representative Juanita O'Brien, I want to thank you. Brent. I'm sorry. There, I- I- right. Brian. Representative Juanita O'Brent, I really want to thank you for sharing some time this morning. And educating us on what's happening in the state house. Uh, I know there are some other things that are going on down there I heard about several months ago. I'm not gonna get into that with you because I don't really know anything too much about it. But I see I promise, I see some great people and leadership like yourself who speak up and speak out. And I believe that you are someone who really cares about your community. And I wanna thank you for that. Also, I'm not going to hold you because I believe you, and I will be speaking again about five o'clock today. Yes. On WERE 1490 in Cleveland, New um, House, People Get Ready Radio Show. I want people to tune in to that. But thank you so much, Representative Juanita Brent, for your time this morning. And you have a great day. And I will talk to you this afternoon.
1: Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your show.
0: It was my pleasure. Have a good day.
1: You too.